This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Put a binge on your friends with a Pussy Magnet. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. <laughs> Ah, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up a couch. It's the Labia Lounge. Hello, my Labia love bugs. Welcome back to the lounge. Today is going to be a little bit of a different format, and we're actually going to flip the script. And I've got a pretty special little bod in to uh, interview me for once, which is exciting and relaxing. I can just kind of pop my feet up and sit back and yeah, get asked questions. Love that for me. So I um I've got Hannah in who was initially a client of mine and has now become a friend and someone who just like gives me the best feedback and ideas and constantly messages me about the podcast because she's a big fan and, you know, gets really enthused and gives me these amazing um, voices with like, yeah, just really constructive feedback and and sort of ideas and we get excited about it together. And so, yeah, she's kind of become quite involved um, in a way. So I approached her to um, come on the podcast and then we decided to, yeah, do it like this so that she could ask me some questions because um, – I get asked all the time, like, what is yoni mapping therapy? What is sex coaching? What do you actually fucking do? Um, what happens in a session? What does all of that kind of look like? So I just thought um, that it might be good on my own podcast to actually give everyone a rundown of that. So um, I'll just introduce Hannah and then I'll hand it over to her. But um, I just wanted to, like, list her accolades even though – I'm not necessarily interviewing her. It's still pretty bloody impressive and I think she's a dope human. So on one hand, she has a master's degree in engineering and is currently pursuing a PhD in engineering for ecosystem restoration where her work focuses on specialized machines for planting native Australian seeds. Very dope. She's also the center manager for her research center and also does some teaching at the University of Western Australia. So highly highly intellectual bad bitch over here and on the other hand <laughs> Hannah is also a yoga teacher and has done heaps of additional training in meditation and breath work she's like a massive fan of embodiment and yeah is always kind of making sure that she counteracts that very cerebral engineering side with a whole lot of time in nature and cooking wholesome plant-based food and moving her bod and she's also um 
the sort of resident yoga and meditation breathwork teacher in Queen Out, my online course. So I got her on board because I know she nerds out on all of that stuff and, you know, all the science behind yoga and things like that. Um, and I really love her grounded approach to the woo-woo. There's always a lot of like science and evidence behind the woo and I love that combo. So she's um, she's actually a guest teacher that offers some yoga and, and meditations and breathwork throughout my online course. So without further ado, Hannah, I'll hand it over to you. Hell yeah, Freya. Thanks for that intro. I am so stoked to be on your podcast because I love your podcast, like you said. <laughs> oh my God, it's cool to actually be on it. Um, and I think it's also really valuable because, you know, sorry, my dog just (laughs) freaking out in the background. (laughs) I think it's also really valuable because like the work that you do is really cool and you've got all these really cool guests on there. And the point of that is to learn from them, I guess. But the downside is we never get to hear from you and I'm a big fan of the work that you do. So I'm really keen to, I don't know, get that out there into the world and people can hear about what you do, which is super cool. Excellent. Can't wait. Yeah. So I just want to start this podcast by saying like I have worked with Freya. I started like you you mentioned Freya. I did Freya's coaching journey. And then in addition to that, I was like an add on. I also did a yoni mapping session, which was amazing. Both of them were awesome. And so we've got like a cool dynamic here where Freya, I'm hoping, is going to be able to really break down for you what yoni mapping is. And then I'll be able to share from you for from the like client side of things, mm. what benefits I got out of that and how that was starting from ground zero of like not being into all of this alternative sexuality space <laughs> and being super skeptical or asking all of the questions that people want to ask. And then coming mm. to the place where I am now where um, Freya's shown me the ropes and yeah. <laughs> <You're fond of laughs> <it. laughs> Hell yeah, I am. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. So before I saw Freya, I struggled with basically all of the issues in the book, low self-esteem. I had trouble connecting with my body just generally, but also during sex, I had a lot of trouble with anxiety. I had a lot of trouble with um, letting go. I also had quite a decent amount of fear around my own body and the sensations in my body because I was getting over a really traumatic abortion. So that was another big one for me. And I just all around felt like the person that I was in sex wasn't the person that I was in the everyday. And maybe a lot of people can resonate with this because there are a lot of people out there that I think would call themselves feminists and they're really progressive and they know that the patriarchy has put these ideas in our brains, but that doesn't mean that you necessarily feel that in your body and you don't deal with those issues. So it's really different to know something intellectually and to actually be able to, I don't know, cut yourself free from that in your Mm -hmm. life. And that's really what Freya did for me is she was able to bridge that gap with some really cool practical stuff so that I was able to embody all of those really strong beliefs that I had. So yeah, so great, Freya. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'm so, um, so happy to finally be sitting down and talking about this because when I first started learning about all of this alternate sexuality stuff, I was super, super skeptical because like you kind of maybe got a taste of in the intro, I am a science person and 
I kind of feel like some of these influencers that promote this stuff, you know, they are really airy fairy when they talk about like the power of divine femininity and like (laughs) tapping into like your divine essence or like energetic, like connections with the universe or whatever. And I just kind of wanted to tie down some of these people, tie them to a chair and say, okay, can you actually give me like some step-by-step plans or like some dot points? Like it's not very applicable to listen to them you know, sort of float around in nirvana if you're just a regular average everyday person. (laughs) So with that in mind, can you start, Freya, by just telling me really basically what different modalities or offerings do you have for clients? Like what do you actually do with clients? Hmm. Loved that. Loved that description. So hilarious. Um, And I can really relate to that too. Like some some language that's used in... um, you know, those areas, those realms, especially when it comes to anything like yoni massage or sacred sexuality, it can be very alienating. And I don't, I don't resonate with that sort of floaty airy fairy language either. Like I'm always like, no, but I don't know what the fuck that means when you say just like, you know, get into your heart space and this and that. And I'd rather just have something tangible that I, that I like (laughs) actually know what, you know what it means. Um, so I offer um, a modality called yoni mapping therapy, which I'm sure we'll get into what that is all about. Um, that's an in-person hands-on session that is like a combo of talk therapy and sex coaching and bodywork. And I also do online sex coaching journeys or packages. So that's more online Zoom calls, Um regularly over a period of time so that we can work on your stuff around sex, around body image, around self-esteem, pretty much whatever you've got going on, we can work on. Uh, And then I've got uh, an online course now called Queen Out. So that's kind of a combo of the two. So a fair bit of the sex coaching, sex education um, stuff in there, as well as heaps of um, embodiment practices, guided audios, Lots of applicable little home play practices for you to do at home and then a lot of uh, tutorials and instructional videos around pretty much all the stuff that I would be coaching someone on in a one-on-one session but laid out step-by-step in this course so that people can learn how to actually do their own yoni mapping and yoni massage on themselves and they can learn all of the things that I would be teaching them and coaching them on or doing with them in an in-person session. So that's a little bit um, a little bit like all of it rolled into one, but just making it accessible for someone who can't come and see me in person or maybe can't afford to um, pay for one-on-one coaching. Yeah, nice. It sounds like it's really comprehensive. Mm, I tried to make it as comprehensive as I could. I just, I kept adding things because I was like, oh, well, I can't leave that out. And if that, you know, they have to know about this. And then if they do that, then we want to do this. And I just (laughs) sort of wanted it to be as full of an experience that covered all bases as possible so that, yeah, so the people got results and they got the, they got the end result that they were after. And so I kind of just rolled all of my, best sort of teachings and tips and tricks and practices and everything I'd learned in my, um, I guess, sort of seven years of experience in this industry now and just put it all in the one place in a really easy kind of roadmap for people. So yeah, I'm very proud of that. It's, It's a really cool offering that's out now. 
Yeah, absolutely. I have actually started the course. I've only done the first two weeks, uh, but so far it's awesome. So I can't wait to see what the next um, <laughs> weeks hold. Let's start with the coaching sessions because the Yoni mapping is like a huge thing that I definitely want to get into. But the coaching sessions is a nice, easy one. I think that there's a little bit of skepticism around reaching out to coaches and sex coaches and life coaches because people kind of don't really know what they're going to get. So can you tell me a little bit more about when you have a coaching session with someone or a coaching journey with someone, what does the structure of that look like? What kind of, uh, I don't know, different methods do you use to help that person get coached? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got three month and six month packages at the moment. And it pretty much looks like a fortnightly um, video call where we kind of start tackling the things that they are struggling with. So pretty much, I mean, there's, there's, there's often common ones around, you know, difficulties with orgasm, difficulties with shame and guilt around sexuality, sexual trauma, um, difficulties with boundaries and consent or communication in the bedroom or with a partner, uh, self-esteem and body image stuff, just a lack of education and a lack of knowledge about how their bodies work and how arousal processes work and how best to actually approach their own body or, or train a partner to approach their body for the most amount of pleasure and so that they, they can access orgasm, they can access feelings of empowerment and confidence and just, just comfort, like actually feeling comfortable in their own skin, comfortable in the bedroom, comfortable with new partners or existing partners, with masturbation. So pretty much anything in that whole realm, um, it's quite holistic. So it's not even always about sex, you know, and I'll often give people, so after every session, I'll send a follow-up email with a bunch of um, suggestions for practices that they can do at home that are tailored to them and what they're working on. And that might be journal prompts, there might be self-pleasure practices or um you know, if someone's working on their communication, I might, I might actually just figure out what's going on in their life, who they're struggling to communicate with, and then we'll, we'll figure out a game plan about how they can actually approach a certain topic or they can, yeah, broach that territory in a safe way. Um, and, and get some practice with the communication piece. And it's very, it's very practical. So like we do a lot of talking obviously in the sessions and I, I find out where they're at and what they need help with, what they need to process or integrate or um, perhaps just bounce off me or questions they might want to ask me. You know, people haven't had great sex education. So they, they haven't had anyone before in their life where they can actually just ask all of the questions about sex or their bodies mm. or their periods or relationships yeah. that they have never known where to go to with. So a lot of it can be them finally getting to ask questions about this stuff and get like proper information or um, or just have someone to actually talk to about experiences they've had or insecurities they have that, you know, is a neutral third party, very safe space. You know, I've kind of seen and heard it all and I've probably been there too. Like everything that clients tell me I can usually relate to. Um, so, yeah, it's just nice to have a safe space and, and someone to talk to about that. So that's a big part of it and obviously the the homework that I'll give them. And then in between sessions they have access to me 
um, via like texting or WhatsApp and we kind of have a bit of an ongoing back and forth thing so that there's a bit of accountability so that between sessions they can message me or send me a little voice note um, and give me an update or ask me a question or if they're struggling with something they can they can ask me for some support in between sessions um, or ask for extra journal prompts or you know just just that sort of added um, 24 hours support so that especially if they're tackling big stuff and they're working on big things and things are coming up for them because we're working on this, um, you know, a fortnightly session might not be enough and there might be things that arise between sessions that they need some help with. So I'm kind of on call with that too. So we we usually set, you know, an intention for the journey and, and nail nail down a few things that they really want to work on and results that they want to get in the first session and then we're working towards that the whole time um, throughout all of the sessions. So, yeah, that's kind of the general flow of things really. It's it's nothing too daunting. It's always fully clothed and, yeah, very, <laughs> very practical and tangible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've got to say just what you finished on there with the setting the intentions and working towards something, I thought that that was one of the best things that I got out of our sessions because I think in general, you know, like getting help, regardless of who it's from, gets a bit of a bad reputation because it sounds like you go, you complain about your life, the person maybe offers some support in the moment and then you go back home and your life's falling apart and you have no idea what to do. But that was yeah. totally <laughs> not at all what I experienced when I work with you because like you said, it's super practical. Like there are lots of tools that you can actually use and reuse when you come up against these things because um, regardless of how much work you do. Everyone's going to have a bad day. Everyone's going to have something go wrong. But I think what I really liked about your approach is that it's, it makes you feel like you've got a map. Like maybe you're feeling a bit lost or like you're not sure what to do next, but you can figure out what to do next in order to, I don't know, keep the ball rolling in the right direction. Mm. Um, you brushed over it really briefly at the start there. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the common narratives that you hear over and over again, because I know that when I was first sort of following you on Instagram, sussing you out, working if I wanted to work with you, working out if I wanted to work with you, you recommended that I listen to a podcast and you said a couple things about just common problems that women have with their sex lives and their relationships with their sel themselves. And I felt like every single thing that you said, you were speaking directly to me. And obviously these are, you know, like common stories, common narratives that most people experience. So could you, I don't know, talk a little bit about some of those things that you hear again and again? Yeah, totally. There's so many, but um, I'll just try to pull out a few of the ones that come to mind as, as ones that arise really commonly. And if I miss any that you resonated with, then you can fill in the gaps. Um, Generally, there's there's an issue like a lot of people struggle with communication and struggle with having boundaries and especially in like heterodynamics, um, the woman will often be telling me, um, you know, I actually don't love the way we have sex or I don't, I don't love certain things but I don't know how to speak up and say it. And if I do try to give feedback or if I do try to, you know, guide my partner or give direction, like he, um, he sort of like gets really offended or takes it personally or like gets a bit sulky and then loses his boner. And so I just kind of feel like, you know, it's easier if I just fake an orgasm or if I just pretend it's all fine and I go along with it and it's just, 
it's easier that way, you know. So there's a lot of this like self-sacrificing, people-pleasing stuff that goes on and that's like that's in every aspect of life. Um, we're kind of all just socialized to be that way. But that really, really hampers how much pleasure we can have and how fulfilling our sex lives are in the bedroom if we can't actually confidently and clearly speak up about what our needs are and what we like and what we don't like. Um, so communication's a big one. Often people have a lot of shame, a lot of guilt around pleasure, around their bodies, sexuality. There's body image stuff around their labia. Um Often people will be like, my boobs are too small, my boobs are too big, my boobs are too saggy, they're different sizes, my labia are too large, <laughs> they're too this, they're too that, you know, so there's a lot of like body hair, there's all sorts of body image things um, and therefore a lack of confidence and a lack of um, self-esteem which will impact them in the bedroom and and then they get in their heads and they're quite insecure so they can't actually relax and enjoy receiving pleasure because there's too many insecurities and too much mind chatter and that's um you know another thing like a lot of a lot of women really struggle to receive they they feel a little bit too much as though they are indebted to someone or they're not contributing enough if they're not giving at least equal if not more attention and and touch and foreplay to the partner so they'll often feel more comfortable giving than they do receiving because if they're receiving then the attention's all on them and they've got to like lie back and actually just enjoy that but they have too much mind chatter too much insecurity too much self-worth stuff going on to actually feel as though they deserve to just get to receive um and they think oh like sex is for the guy it's for his pleasure he's got to come otherwise it's not finished or i haven't done my job like it's my responsibility to make sure he feels pleasure or my partner feels pleasure whatever gender um so there's a lot of those things a lot of people can have numbness or pain during sex and a fair bit of uh disconnect with their vaginas um or their sensual identity making it quite difficult to orgasm or orgasm with a partner um, a lot of people have become quite uh, reliant on a vibrator and clitoral stimulation, so can only have an orgasm with clitoral stimulation and or vibrator use and internally feels like not a whole lot. They have a lot of numbness. They don't feel I think that's an interesting pleasure. one. That's a really interesting one. Sorry to interrupt, but I feel like this is a really interesting one because I was watching, I don't remember what it was, but it was one of these kind of like, oh, look at all this, you know, like female empowerment. And it's so much about vibrators. Like, hey, as empowered women, we can buy vibrators. And after working with you, every time I see that, I think like, it's just, it's like a little step. Like it's not, you're not going all the way up the staircase. It's like, it's the very first step on the staircase. And it feels like, I don't know, it's, I don't know. Do, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the the clitoral stuff is just a, the tip of the iceberg. And I think it actually, pushing these vibrators on us as though that's a huge feminine empowerment tool is actually sometimes kind of disempowering because then it makes us dependent on this thing because they're quite addictive. They desensitize us if we use them so, so much that, you know, our, our um, clitorises need more and more and more intense stimulation just to get that same result and level of sensation so we're becoming reliant on them and we're outsourcing our pleasure to this electronic thing so that when we do find ourselves with a partner or without you know fresh batteries we're like fuck I can't feel anything's numb I need like way more intensity than what you're able to 
your tongue or your dick or your fingers. Like, so yeah. I think that can be a little bit um, misleading that whole like, yeah, just get a clitoris and you're a badass feminist. And like, I'm all about self-pleasuring and, you know, self-sourcing your pleasure. But I think it's not great when you then actually become totally dependent on this thing. Yeah kind of disconnecting you from your whole vagina like it, it yeah. means that you feel less pleasure from sex less pleasure from penetration less pleasure from oral and other things that are like a bit more subtle mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah and I think that's maybe why I take a little bit of issue with it because like vibrators as a concept if you want to explore and use sex toys good for you but if the reason that you're having trouble tapping into pleasure is because you kind of struggle to feel safe enough to just totally surrender and feel the sensations in your body if you're just kind of skipping that by using a vibrator you're not actually looking at the reason that you're having trouble in the first place which is I think maybe the tricky thing for me with it yeah oh totally and and like a lot of people really don't like touching themselves with their own hands and they don't like putting fingers inside their vaginas they'd prefer to just have this tool which is like an instrument that is a bit of a barrier between them and their flesh touching flesh. Um, and I totally get it. Like until I was like 19 or 20, I had never ever touched myself or put fingers inside my vagina. I was so horrified at the thought of that. It was so disgusting and shameful. And, um, and so I do understand, like I couldn't even put tampons in for fuck's sake. So I do get (laughs) it, but I think it's just like sometimes helping people avoid actually having to get up close and personal with their bits and and it and it and it avoids penetration which is actually where you can begin to access like so 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 much you know the rest of that iceberg like underneath the water line yeah yeah absolutely I and I just want to touch on something you mentioned there you know when you were 19 or 20 you were horrified by the idea of your hands on your own body you are obviously you know at this stage where you've done heaps of work on all this stuff I've heard you talk a couple of times about how all of these issues that you hear you've dealt with yourself Can you give me a sense of how long it's been since you came from this place of not having the best relationship with yourself and sex to where you are now? How long do you think that total journey took? Mm. Well, I mean, I think the first time I actually masturbated was with like this rabbit dildo vibrator thing that I got at a sexpo. So going to the sexpo was bloody eye-opening. A friend took me. That was pretty like, whoa. But I bought bought this vibrator. and that was when I was 20, I think, um, 19 or 20. And so I'm nearly 32 now. And then I kind of for like several years was still very messed up sexually, especially with other people. And I would still rarely masturbate. I wouldn't touch myself. I would only use this like dildo. I wouldn't put my actual fingers. You know, if I had to use my actual fingers, I would wrap them in glad wrap. <laughs> Like I'm not kidding, or I'd put them inside a condom. <laughs> okay. Were you um, like the smells or the feeling? Like what was it? It was just the idea. I don't even know. I think all okay. of it. I think just the idea, the touch. It's just the, yeah, very practical, you know. Like it's such a funny yeah. <laughs> practical solution. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but hilarious. So, and then it was like several years before I actually managed to tackle like the the big stuff, and that's you know like that sort of all happened when I was maybe twenty five, twenty four, twenty five. So. Yeah, probably it's 
probably been like eight eight years or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. It's been a while. I mean, yeah. I've been in a pretty good place with it all for probably a good five or six. No. What I've been doing yoni mapping for like seven. Yeah. So like a good seven years I've been in the clear, yeah. in, a, in a solid place, but it's always a continued <laughs> thing that you work on yeah. and, and, you know, you shed more, more and more layers. But there's probably like two years of working on it just personally for myself before I then started doing training to work with others. Yeah, great. Okay, so I'd love to get into some of the yoni mapping stuff because I know that there's so many questions and misconceptions about what this is. But before we get into that, I'd love to put in the segment Get Pregnant and Die. Don't have sex, because you will get pregnant and die. die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it, promise? <laughs> so good. This is so fucking good. You're doing such a good job. You should be the host. Like, this is great. <laughs> I've listened to the podcast a lot of times. I know how you like to do it. <laughs> so usually you ask your guests if they could share a little bit about how their sex education failed them. But seeing as I'm interviewing and seeing as you often share, you know, your own <laughs> stories, I guess I'll ask myself yeah, how did uh, how my sex education <laughs> failed me. So I was thinking about this because obviously, you know, sex ed was shit in high school. Like it just didn't cut it. But I was really thinking about this. And I think the number one thing for me that failed was the fact that when you get taught sex ed, you know, everyone has had that little A4 printout of like a side on cutout view of like the female reproductive <laughs> system and the male reproductive system. And you label like the ovaries and like on the male side, like the vast deference, like I don't even know what the purpose <laughs> of knowing what that is, because I think it by making it clinical and scientific, it really kind of took out the heart and soul and the point of it because mm. I don't think that anyone in their sex life needs to know what the vast deference is right but everyone <laughs> you know, needs to know <laughs> everyone needs to know I think a little bit more about how sex ties into your relationship with yourself and your relationship with other people and all of that piece around the soul, the soul in sex, like where is that? It's just completely lost from sexuality. Mm. You know, when you're labeling that little A4 printout, it doesn't even feel like it's part of your own body. It feels like it's mm. something completely removed. So I don't really mm -hmm. understand how we can educate people about sex without getting them to feel that connection with themselves because it's about people, right? And for some mm. reason, sex ed never involves discussions around like the people that it's about it just involves discussions around all the little anatomical bits and bobs which mm. isn't that helpful oh totally great answer love that <laughs> hey babe towns so sorry to interrupt but i simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around 
It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk, and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive content, unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now back to the episode. Cool. Okay. Now I would love, I would love, love, love to talk about Yoni mapping because Yoni mapping is actually the reason that I reached out to you in the first place. Cause I found your little business card in this really cool little vegan gluten-free cafe and it said Yoni mapping and Yoni mapping is something that I'd heard a little bit about on like the spiritual little videos that Instagram was starting to suggest to me, but it was something that I was really, really skeptical about. And I think that one of the number one myths that I want to start off by getting into, it's one of the questions that I've had ever since you and I had our yoni mapping session, is yoni mapping sexual? It involves vaginas, it involves you, is it sexual at all? Yeah, good question. Well, I not it's a, it's like it is we're talking about sex. We're delving into I'm showing you like where your pleasure anatomy is and and it's all about sex, but it's not an actually sexual experience necessarily. Some people can feel pleasure, but that's not the goal and it's a lot more therapeutic than sexual it's not it's not an erotic massage it's not for the purpose of getting you off or having an orgasm um we talk about all of this sort of stuff if someone is coming because they have a lot of trouble feeling pleasure or orgasm and they want to explore that and they want me to show them the areas that could potentially feel really great um then we can lean into that but it's really uncommon that that even happens. Like, it's not it's not a uh, it's not a happy ending. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think maybe a lot of people just have trouble visualizing that because the only time that most people experience genital touch is like in a sex mm. situation, or you're at the doctor's and you're feeling really awkward and uncomfortable, and they're sticking a speculum in. So it's like, mm. does it fall into A or B? And I think people are imagining that it's got to be sexual because that's the only time that you really let someone mm. or yourself touch, touch down there. Yeah, And I think totally. from, from my own experience, this is actually something that I was, I don't know, I don't know if surprised is the right word because I had heard you speak about this before. So I wasn't expecting like a, like a happy ending massage, but I think what was really cool about it is to me, I think maybe the best approximation that I can make is like a therapeutic massage. So if you think about getting a massage, you're naked, you lie down and a stranger puts oil on you and rubs you all over. And if you think about that in a sexual context, like, yeah, that could be very sexual. You're naked for God's sake and someone's touching you all over, but it's not right. It just 
feels really good, feels really safe. And it's a space where you can relax and let go of physical and mental tension. And I really feel like that's just a really good maybe analogy for what yoni mapping is. It's not really like a sexy thing, but it's not this clinical medical thing either, because that was the other question that I got. They were like, oh, if it's not sexual, it must be clinical. And I think that that's maybe the wrong word as well, especially when you think about most women's experiences with doctors, they're not, they don't feel like those really, you know, safe spaces. Mm, yeah, yeah. Big time. Yeah. It's like right, right in the middle. It's in that, yeah, that area that's not medical or clinical. It's not sexual or erotic. Um, it's, it's nurturing and it's therapeutic and it's educational and it's curious and explorative and it's collaborative. You know, it's not me doing something to you or your body or trying to give you an orgasm or give you this experience. It's literally us like collaborating on creating this journey or this experience of your body that no one's ever fucking had before. Like we never get an opportunity to be touched in that area that's, you know, not goal oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get into the um, specifics about what a yoni mapping session actually includes, could you speak a bit about um, what makes you qualified to be a yoni mapping therapist? Because I know in the past you've talked on episodes about some of the underbelly of the spirit community and how some of this gets appropriated and there's some weird power stuff. But obviously that's not the space that you (laughs) live in. Um, So how did you become qualified as a yoni mapping therapist? Yeah, good question. Um, So I started out doing all the sex stuff, sexuality stuff, um, going down slightly less legitimate paths, like doing um, sacred sexuality or neo-tantra workshops and trainings and practitioner, um, you know, qualifications and stuff. But that and, – and they were great, but I just started feeling really uh, put off by that community, that kind of conscious sacred sexuality, tantra community. There's a lot of seediness and, yeah, you, you mentioned that episode, The Underbelly of the Spiritual Community, and I did another with Mangala Holland about um, neo-tantra circles and things. So there's there's episodes where I've gone more into that. But there's a lot of grey area. There's a lot of seediness and creepiness and boundary pushing and abuse of power and, um, you know, spiritual bypassing and all of that fun stuff. And I just got really jack of it. And I was like, ew, I can't handle one more fucking cacao ceremony with a bunch of people who are like <laughs> the teachers are trying to have sex with the students and it's all like it's, you know, um, so I had I had some really amazing like training and, and foundational stuff that was great for me and somehow I lucked out and I didn't get any CD teachers that were trying to take advantage of me or any of that. Um, but I did start to see more and more of that and hear a lot of that. So I, I, um, I'd already at that point learned how to do yoni massage and lingam massage and anal dearmoring, um, prostate massage, things like that. And I was doing body work for men um, and sometimes women. And then I found yoni mapping therapy as a modality and there was a practitioner training coming up and it's created by Bonnie Bliss. So she's like super incredible, like would follow her to the ends of the earth. She's very, very like much respect and trust her work and her integrity. And I loved the look of her practitioner training because for starters, she was like the first person to actually get something with genital touch like yoni massage um registered and accredited as 
an actual legitimate modality where we can get insured as practitioners. It's recognized by, um, you know, boards like the IICT. It's very legitimized because she went through the correct channels and she created a practitioner training, like combining her sort of 15 years of experience or whatever it was at that point. Um, in a way that meant it was super stringent. It was like very comprehensive, very thorough. Um, it was a six month training and there was a bunch of in-person intensives. So we all went and, and lived together on this retreat a few times, um, learning the hands-on bodywork and she would bring in, um, guest expert teachers on different, different topics and things as well as, as her teaching. And it was, pretty epic it was like nothing else I've ever done like no other training I've ever done there was just 27 of us um, women who were being trained and so we were thick as thieves and we were all learning this stuff and we were immersed and we were practicing on one another and we had to do like we had to go away in between intensives and do a lot of case studies and a lot of hours practicing on real people and real clients and getting feedback and recording our talk therapy sessions and sending them to Bonnie to be assessed. And so it was a proper legitimate training, you know, it wasn't like just a weekend workshop where you learn how to finger bang someone and align <laughs> chakras um, which I had also done <laughs> um, definitely started there but I was like look this is just not it's not legitimate enough for me and I want a qualification that has a bit of weight behind it and the credibility and you know a code of ethics and and I want to be yeah. insured as a practitioner so that I'm covered yeah. and I'm not just doing this like murky thing that isn't really legal but isn't not but it's, you know, big gray area in that whole space. Um, so yeah, the, the training I did with Bonnie was incredible and she only ran that once. She just trained up 27 of us. That's, that's, you know, and the people flew, flew in from overseas and, um, it was a big deal, but she never ran one again. Wow. Um, cause I think it was just so huge and it was so expensive to do. Um, cause she really doesn't do things by halves. Like she really did it like all out. So I feel so grateful to have been part of that and just around at the right time to, um, oh, yeah. you know, and even the application process to get accepted was like super. The fucking application form was so long. And then I did an interview and like she is very, oh, wow. that's why I trust her so much. Like yeah. she is not messing around with anyone who's not you know, a hundred percent integral. So yeah. 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 That's great. That's, that's really interesting. I hadn't realized that it was a one-off thing. I wonder what, what do you think is going to happen when all of you yoni mapping therapists, like start aging out, you need to keep carrying on the lineage. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like, I think there's, um, one or two of them are wanting to run their own practitioner training at some point in the next few years. And there's other, um, qualifications popping up left, right and center now that are different. They're not actually this particular Uh, modality and I can guarantee they wouldn't be nearly as stringently trained. Um, but there are more qualifications popping up and mentorships and things like that. So, but it it is just so tricky because it's really unregulated and like, you know, people who call themselves yoni mappers or yoni massage practitioners could literally have had you know, a week's worth of training and like nothing else, yeah. or they could be sex therapists, sexologists, or whatever, whatever that have trained like at university and done and done heaps and heaps of um of training. So it's really tough. 
Um, and that's why I'm always sort of just like warning people to be very selective and do a lot of research before you actually choose a practitioner. Cause I've had clients come to me like pretty traumatized after going to other yoni massage peeps. And, yeah. um, yeah, I don't, I don't I actually don't like how most people approach this, this sort of this work. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust many people, you know, it's a, it's a yeah. delicate thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So can you give me a, a bit of a sense about, okay, you've got a client in for a yoni mapping session. What happens? Can you break it down for me step by step? Because I know this is another area where there's all of this kind of airy, air, airy, fairy information beating around the bush, like, wow, transformative, guided tour of your own anatomy. But that doesn't really mean anything to the average person. So give it to me straight. Mm, yeah, well... Every session is at least three hours long. So that that's something that often shocks yeah. people because they're expecting to come in for like an hour massage or something. But oh, you know what? <laughs> this is actually yeah. something that one of my friends, when I told her I got a yoni massage, she was like, how long was it? And I was like, three hours. And she's like, what do you mean vaginas are so small? Surely you swish your fingers around five minutes like it's done. Like how, how long can you swirl your finger around in a vagina before you get bored? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Break it, break it down for us. What what does that three Amazing. hours entail? Mm. Well, um, it's I guess it's just firstly so important to gain trust and rapport and build mm. safety and create that really safe, nurturing, comfortable container for someone before you even at all touch them or ask them to take their clothes off or like you know, go near their pussy. So firstly, I've got to know why they're coming. I've got to know what they want to work on, what they struggle with. Do they have sexual trauma? Do they have boundary issues? Are they insecure about things? Like, do they have, you know, all like, what have they got going on? Like, why, why are they here to see me? So of course we've got to have a chat. So I have a pot of tea ready when they arrive. We sit on the couch. It's all very like homey and informal. So not sterile and clinical. Um, and that's all part of it. Like that's intentional. I like to work from my home space so that they feel at home. They feel comfy and safe and like it's quite relaxed and informal. Um, still professional, but yeah, I'm just trying to like create that sense of relaxation and safety from the get-go. So we have a chat. I get them to sign an intake form um, with a bunch of relevant info about them and their sexual history and their bodies for me first. So I've already got all that info. Um, they sign a consent form um as well just to acknowledge that they are aware that if they consent to it um when we get there there will be internal vaginal massage so it's all super you know above board um and then i ask them a heap of questions we chat about where they're at what they might be struggling with what they might need help with you know i might give them some um coaching or sex education pieces that are like what they need to feel um to realize that they're actually normal and they're not broken. Um, so I'll often be giving like quite a bit of education and a few sort of like tips and coaching stuff as I go. Um, I also send a follow-up email after each session with like some home play suggestions that we've yeah. spoken about that are specifically for them and where they're at and what's going to help them with the issues that they're um, being challenged by. And so after the talk therapy – section of it that's like an hour hour and a half usually yeah um 
sometimes even two hours if, the, if we just have heaps and they've got so much to talk about. Um, so I try to keep it pretty flexible. I'll only do one session a day generally because they can run over time and they're pretty massive energy-wise. Energy yeah. um, and before we start the body work, I pre-frame what I'm going to do so that they're completely aware and prepared for how things are going to go down and they have a chance to ask questions or speak up about any fears that they have. And I just let them know that, you know, it's very normal for emotions to arise when we're doing the yoni work. It's very normal for memories to surface or for like mm, physiological responses to happen in the body, like tremoring or their face flushing and feeling hot or them starting to sweat or um, having an urge to cry or scream or getting angry or laughing and getting these uncomfortable giggles coming out and just saying like that is all very normal and very um, very acceptable like nothing you can do will shock me and it's actually just super important that if something arises like an emotion or a memory or an urge to cry or to scream or to say some particular words or to hold yourself in a particular way like please if you feel comfortable do that go with that yeah. because that's that's important that's like your body finally feeling safe enough um, and resourced enough for those mem- memories or emotions or that energy to arise and actually be felt and acknowledged and allowed to let go you know be released and any kind of sound or breath or movement or words or tears that you make are all very valuable vehicles of release for those things that are surfacing so you know and maybe none of that happens in a session but it is it is a thing that happens um especially when someone has any any kind of history of sexual trauma yeah so I just always make sure they're prepared for any of that to happen and they know that it's all okay Um, and then we move towards the body work so then I'll do um, a full body kahuna massage and kahuna is basically a form of lomi lomi so I did a separate training in that because it's just such a beautiful feminine flowy um, holistic form of body work so I like to do um, kahuna massage first and I do a full body massage and we start with the extremities we start with the non-threatening kind of less invasive areas of the body and then we slowly work our way in towards the center just to make sure we're still gaining trust we're creating safety you know I'm developing rapport even once we start the touch I'm just slowly you know helping them feel really comfortable and relaxed and and um, safe with me and with my touch and that's super important to like honor and and revere the entire body before you go for the genitals Um, Mm -hmm. it's great for helping relax the nervous system and helping them drop into their body and out of that mind chatter Um, and often it can take like half an hour to an hour of of massage before you're actually in that parasympathetic nervous system space which is where we want to be before we even approach the genitals at all so I do the back half of the body I get them to roll over I do the front half I do some breast massage I do some abdominal massage some pelvic massage around the hips and the pelvis and the inner thighs and the pubic bone and then after all of that I'll ask them permission to hop up on the table with them and I just sit in between their legs and their knees are butterflied open with their thighs just resting on my knees um, so that I'm in the center and I can, yeah, I'm quite centered and I can actually work on their abdomen and their pelvis from that place in between their legs. 
and I still don't touch their yoni. I don't, I don't touch, there's no sudden movements. I, um, I do some inner thigh and pelvic stuff from that place. And then before I touch the vulva and I've told them this, I'm like, I'm not going to touch you without asking your permission. So don't, don't, you don't have to feel tense wondering, Oh, when's she going to touch it? Oh my God. So then I actually ask for permission and I say something like, you know, now I'm, um, I'm approaching doing some yoni work. How do you feel about some external vulva touch? Are you ready? Do you need more full body touch? Um, where are you at? Do you feel comfortable and safe? And if they feel okay about that, I pop on my disposable gloves and we'll just do some external yoni massage. Um, and at that point, I'm kind of starting to communicate with them about where I am, what I'm doing. I might say something like, you know, now I'm massaging your outer labia on the right side. What are you noticing? Is it different on this left side? Um, and it's not for diagnostic purposes. That's just literally to get them in the habit of being really present with their experience and observing the physical sensation, observing any emotions that arise and just naming that. And it's also just for me to gauge where they're at and make sure they're not checking out or dissociating or going into like Mm -hmm. a trauma response or a freeze. So if I'm checking in and asking them for some feedback as I go, then I can make sure that they're still, you know, present in their body and, and not dissociated. So that's the external vulva massage that goes on for a while and then after a while once I've warmed up everything externally um because it's kind of like the uh the what do you call it like an antechamber or the the vesicle you know just before you move into the the actual building Uh it's like the lobby so (laughs) we're just on, on that front porch there with the with the vulva and then I ask for permission again and I ask if they're ready for me to do some internal work um and I just used one finger. So people are like, do you use a wand or a tool or a dildo? Do you use both fingers? Like, what do you do? <laughs> I just use one finger. That's all I need to use. Got a um, pretty muscly little finger at this point. And yeah, I was going to uh, say, you must have a strong <laughs> finger because thinking back, like I felt like there was a lot of pressure going on. So the fact that you can apply that with one finger, that's some impressive stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my finger gets pretty tired sometimes if someone's got a lot of tension. <laughs> And, and we're working on a spot for a yeah. while and I, I can get like crampy kind of shaky fingers, but um, yeah. I can swap over if one gets tired. But yeah, I just use one finger generally and I'll start quite shallow and I and I do some massage around all that sort of like that first layer of the of the pelvic floor muscles in that pelvic floor hammock and I work my way in more deeply as I go just to ease ease them into it and soften up the tissue and bring circulation to the area before I'm going into the deeper layers of muscle and I just I work a, around all of the walls um in that entire pelvic space so not just like you know, we kind of think of the <laughs> vagina as like a penis-shaped tube. Where it's like you put something <laughs> up and in and maybe if you're lucky on the G-spot, which is kind of forward on that front wall. But other than that, it doesn't get a lot of attention around the walls, around the back. Um, mm. You know, I can massage your tailbone from inside your vagina. Holy shit. This is one of the things that blew my mind. I've been telling everyone this. Like it is blows my mind that there are muscles in your pelvic floor that you can massage from the inside 
that you can't massage for me outside. And honestly, mm-hmm. after experiencing this, it makes me a little bit sad for people with penises because I'm thinking like your pelvic floor <laughs> will never, ever get to have that. Like that sucks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can do it through the anus on guys, but you can't quite get the same effect. No. Uh-huh. So yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's a different thing, but um, yeah, it's quite amazing. And it's such a big space in there. Like if you think about yeah. it, a baby's going to come out through there. So it's actually yeah. this whole like bowl and, and I can massage all around the walls and the back and the sides and, um, And people are often, especially if I'm doing it for like a prenatal client, they'll Mm -hmm. often be like, oh my God, I actually feel way less freaked out about giving birth now because I've got this kind of map in my brain about how large that pelvic space actually is. Yeah. Um, So they feel a bit more confident in their body being able to, being able to fit that. Um, Yeah. So anyway, I'm massaging, I'm massaging around. Um, and I'm checking in with my client as I go, um, asking for feedback, checking, you know, if things are feeling tight or tense or painful or maybe, um, you know, pleasurable sometimes happens, although it's less common because often in this space, like it's so neutral and it's so non-sexual, like we're not running erotic energy between us or anything like that. It's more like the like wow this is so fascinating I've never experienced Mm. this before like that's kind of the space that they're in um Mm. so it's it's um a cool opportunity for them to just like feel all of these places within them that have never been touched before and that their brain didn't even know exist before then um and you know release tension and tightness um and start to create new neural pathways within that space Excuse the interruption, my loves, but I'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five-star ratings for the potty because, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, it's pretty fab. And the more people who get to hear it, the more people it can help. Reviews and ratings help me curry favor with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't maz over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is fairly frequently. (laughs) So you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison, or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Whoa now. If you are writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G-rated words, because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. Lame. Anyway. Oh, oh, what was that? Oh, you're going to go do it right now while I wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, like forget about it and get on with your day. Um, um, oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> oh my God, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. If there's places of like tension uh, that are painful or, or maybe there's places that are numb, 
then we we work on those for a while and I'll, I'll stay in that area. We'll work on those. We'll bring more sensation in. We'll loosen up the tension, you know, get rid of the numbness, whatever. Sometimes if there's emotional releases that happen, then we facilitate that as well in the moment for that release to take place. Um, and... And I also give a bit of a guided tour about um, their pleasure anatomy. So I'll touch upon the G spot, the A spot, the cervix, show them where they are, how to find them themselves, what they feel like. Um, and, you know, I might check how their muscles are engaging as well. So I'll get them to use their pelvic floor muscles to squeeze my finger in different places and I'll see um, if they're engaging and they're actually able to relax them fully or whether they're sort of in that hypertonic state. Um, you know, there's so many different things that can that we can do in that, but I'm probably inside massaging the internal vagina for about generally half an hour, forty minutes yeah. maybe. Um, and then, yeah, when I when I wrap up, I let them just sort of lie in their own space and let the dust settle and have a few moments just in their own energy for a while um, before coming back in and. Um, and then we have a little debrief and they go home and I send a follow-up email and check in and give them some home play. But that's the general flow of how a session will go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now it occurred to me to ask you something during this, this, I mean, I know it's great and maybe people are listening thinking like, oh yeah, that sounds potentially cool. But I think that we can't ignore the fact that for a lot of people, spreading your legs and like letting someone look at your vulva let alone like put their fingers on it put their fingers in it is very confronting so do you think that it's common for people to I don't know feel awkward or feel this kind of shame or like weirdness about it and if that's the case I was hoping that you could speak a little bit about you know like the diversity of like bodies you've seen of vulvas you've seen and just kind of put everyone's mind at ease that you know you you say you've seen it all before so yeah <laughs> yeah totally um so something that i hear a lot from clients afterwards or during the yoni mapping is oh my God, whoa, I thought this would be so weird and uncomfortable and I thought I'd feel so awkward or embarrassed, but it actually feels like the most normal, natural thing in the world and <laughs> it's so chill and I'm so comfortable and like, what was I worried about, you know? And I think yeah. that's why it's important that it's at least three hours. It's why we have a big chat beforehand. Yeah. If they have vulva image issues, I get out my books. I've got I've got um these books with pictures close-up pictures of every kind of labia you can possibly imagine and I just show them like look there is so much variation there's innies there's outies there's lots of asymmetry it would be it's actually like not that common for for a yoni to be perfectly symmetrical often one lip is longer than the other or a different shape the inner labia very often protrude out longer than the outer labia that's why I don't I don't use the terms labia minora and labia majora because that kind of implies mm. that the inner labia are supposed to be more minor but I just don't I don't believe in that it's dumb it, that is not the case at all and so I talk to them about that and I'm like hey like you've probably only ever seen vulvas in porn or you know photoshopped images um and actually like it's super normal that they they can look like this and this and this um 
And so we chat about that and we tackle a bit about that. And all the while, I'm like really just trying to make sure they feel as comfortable as possible with me so that by the time we get to the body work, it's all good. And generally it is. And even if there's a little bit of like, oh, like tensing up to begin with, or like that moment when I draw back the sarong and I first, you know, expose their vulva, there's for sure, there's a little bit of like, sometimes it's palpable, this like, oh, this apprehension and a bit of nerves. But like generally it takes almost no time at all for them to just like relax and accept what's going on and be like, actually, this is fine. I feel safe. It's, it's, you know, not a big deal. And then they just relax into it and kind of melt. And especially with like the internal massage, like it's such a relaxing, such a deeply relaxing experience. If you can allow someone and feel safe enough and comfortable enough with someone to massage you like that, then something in your nervous system just goes like, oh, we must be really safe and comfortable if we're doing this right now and it's okay Mm. and I'm not in danger, there's no threat. And then all of a sudden like there's just this like deep, deep, deep sense of like surrender and relaxation in the body and the nervous system and it's super rejuvenating and nourishing and super healing as well. So um it definitely is a thing that people fear and have a lot of like apprehension about, but pretty much everyone after the talk therapy or definitely everyone after the body work says like, oh, it actually wasn't a big deal and it wasn't at all what I thought and I thought I was going to freak out and it would be really hard, but it was totally fine and it felt really natural. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really wonderful to hear. That was definitely my experience and I think that's probably a bit of a testament to how good you are at holding that space and making people feel safe because it's such a thing that's outside of what people do in there every day. So yeah, that's really interesting to hear about. Cool. Now, TMI. I did lots of thinking about what kind of TMI I could share here. But to be honest, after listening to all of this like beautiful stuff about feeling safe and like (laughs) making people feel comfortable and releasing tension and everything, I'm not really sure if like if I say something, if it's going to fully kill the vibe. Like I know before this we were talking about (laughs) potentially sharing like a poop-related TMI. It just feels totally the wrong totally the wrong moment to share it I don't know do you think that we should go down that path or would you want me to share just like a um run of the mill I got some pretty funny awkward sexual ones I can share what do you think the audience would like to hear oh I I think we can totally go the jarring poop story that's fine like whatever (laughs) it's all part of it (laughs) <laughs> okay, do you want to start by sharing yours? Because you said that you had um, one of your friends send one in. True. Well, so gorgeous friend of mine sent me a little voicey and was like, I just had to tell you. <laughs> and, um, I'm not going to do it justice the way, like she, she told it in this way that was really, yeah, it was amazing. And I'm probably going to butcher it. But from memory, she had her period and she had um, a moon cup in, a menstrual cup that was full of blood and she went to the toilet, she was doing a poo and then felt this like horrifying sensation of like, oh, yep, okay, I'm my poo is kind of pushing my moon cup out 
kind of also like that the muscles like all pushing the poo out we're pushing yeah. out the moon cup and then she kind of like didn't manage to catch it in time because as soon as she realized that that was what that feeling was it was too late and they both like hit the water at the same time oh no and, um, and then she like she was like oh my god I'm gonna have to like get that out but the the poo had kind of like pushed the moon cup like up and back like into the into the toilet like you know how they kind of um yeah they're like the little pipes yeah yeah so it had like the poo had like nudged it (laughs) nudged it back (laughs) um and so she couldn't even see it it was like all the yeah anyway it was very funny I'm pretty sure there was like oh and it was she was like and you know it was like a period poo so it was messy And it's just a big bloody pooey disaster. So anyway, that's that was my story. <laughs> you know what? I that story makes me feel so much better because this has actually happened to me before. Not in that dramatic <laughs> a way, but like that has happened to me before. And I don't know if anyone else does this. This is crazy because I actually hadn't even thought of sharing this, but this is a great one. Now, to avoid this, I'd love to know what your friend does. If I need to poo and I'm wearing my menstrual cup, I will take it out, empty it, rinse it, and then poo because it is just not worth the risk. Mm. I mean, just getting lost. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, You know what? I'm actually feeling like down the menstrual path now, I've just gotten reminded of another one that I think would be kind of funny to share kind of funny well it'll have a funny ending sometimes when I think about this it makes me a little bit sad Um, but I'll share it anyway so when I was a lot younger I was kind of seeing this like kind of shit dude and it was also around a time when unlike now when I'm like yeah I take out my menstrual cup before I poo I had a lot of shame around (laughs) periods in general and you know that whole thing of like women don't fart, they don't poo and they don't have their period and like nothing comes out. Like I was totally trapped in that like completely fake story Mm. Um, to the point where like, yeah, I would do literally everything that I could to prevent people from knowing that I had my period. And one of the things that I unsuccessfully tried to do is I had my period, but it kind of, you know, when you kind of think like, yeah, I think I'm going to get my period, but like kind of hasn't kicked in yet. Mm -hmm. Um. So I was like, no, it's fine. I'll go to this guy's house. Like, I just, I won't wear a tampon, whatever. And like, I'll, I'll see how it goes and it'll probably be fine. So we were having <laughs> sex. <laughs> we were having risky. sex. Yeah, extremely <laughs> risky and it did not go well. And within, I don't know, like five minutes, it's like the heaviest floodgates open period that I've (laughs) ever had and there was blood everywhere like and I don't know if I've bled this profusely since I feel like it was my body body trying to like reject his penis because it knew how shit of a dude he was but anyways blood on him blood on his bed blood on his blankets and what was so funny well it's this is why it's a little bit sad is because I couldn't admit, oh, this is my period. I was like, oh, I-, I don't know. Sorry, I don't know why I'm bleeding so much. And this guy, because, like, you know, classic dude, like, thinks, like, oh, I've just changed your life with my giant dick, got so <laughs> concerned that his penis had been so big 
that he had like broken my vagina open and I was just profusely <laughs> bleeding because I couldn't handle his giant penis. And it was so funny because for the next three weeks after this, he treated me like this little broken baby bird that he's that he'd cracked wide open with his giant dick. And um <laughs> I didn't have the guts to tell him that it was just my period and like his dick wasn't actually that big. And you know, like when I used to think back on this story, I used to think like, oh, you know, like I wasn't empowered, like that's kind of sad. But, you know, recently I've been thinking about it and it's just been making me feel really vindicated that this really shit dude has got my menstrual blood soaked down into the fibers of his mattress. And um, <laughs> that's there. that'll always be there. So something about that makes me feel really good. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that so much. And you know he was bragging to his friends that his huge oh, dick broke your badge, like, for definitely, sure. Definitely. He was, like, acting sympathetic, but he was literally, like, patting himself on the back for being <laughs> just this king dick that, like, his penis is just such a weapon that you gushed with blood like <laughs> did he as if he didn't just suspect that it was no, a period he like, like he was so convinced like I'm so sorry he was like apologizing to me for it and it was just it's very funny to me. nice <laughs> nice love that good yeah. story yeah <laughs> yeah cool okay <clears throat> let's wrap things up a little bit with this yoni mapping stuff can you tell me a little bit about why someone would want to do this? Because it sounds like a cool experience, but ultimately what are people hoping to get out of it when they come and see you? Hmm. Well, people have people have different reasons, but a lot of common ones are like sort of similar to what I was um, talking about with the coaching as well. Like, you know, self-esteem, body image stuff, just a lack of education. So they want, they want to find out about how their body works, how to orgasm better, how to have more pleasure, how to feel more connected to themselves. Sometimes they just say things like, like a common one is, you know, I just feel like something's missing and, and I'm not fulfilled sexually. I'm not fulfilled with a partner. I struggle with intimacy or feeling comfortable in the bedroom or I, I can't, orgasm easily um masturbation is sort of unsatisfying and I don't feel like there's just I feel like I'm not quite you know they've scratched the surface but they're no they know there's more but they don't know how to access it and they come for help with that sexual trauma healing from sexual trauma and processing that sort of thing and releasing it from the body um like chronic tension and pain in the pelvic floor. So like painful sex, weak pelvic floor with incontinence issues and things like that. Prenatal preparation for birth, um, postnatal rehabilitation of the pelvic floor, maybe scar tissue remediation, maybe reconnecting with their vaginas and their bodies post birth, um, and refamiliarizing themselves with that, that whole pelvic landscape after things have changed quite a bit from pregnancy and birth. Um, you know, to learn how to be multi-orgasmic, to learn how to release the shame and the guilt and the trauma and maybe the religious conditioning around mm-hmm. sex being this dirty, horrible sin, um, to reconnect with their femininity and to connect with their body so that they no longer feel as though their vagina is just this separate part of them, Um to learn how to self-pleasure in a way that's really honoring to their body and to condition and train their body to feel the most amount of pleasure and have the most amount of orgasms and connection with a partner and with themselves. Um, 
There's so many reasons. I mean, everyone's got stuff around sex. Everyone's got stuff around their bodies, around femininity and things like that. Everyone has shame and trauma and just conditioning. So it's pretty much um, like, yeah, all of those things are really common ones. And also some people just really, they're curious and they really want to have an experience of exploring that area of their body um, and learning about it in a safe space where there's no goal and there's nothing expected of them and it's not sexual and no one's going to be like, you know, waiting for them to like return the favor or trying to force an orgasm out of them and get them off. It's it's like such a different thing to that that people find that really interesting and really healing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like <clears throat> on, a, on an emotional level can be very healing, can be very nourishing um, energetically as well and in terms of like releasing trauma and limiting beliefs. And then physically we're like literally releasing tension and we're assisting things like menstrual pain, enhancing pleasure by bringing more circulation and relaxation to the area um, and kind of like toning and helping that pelvic floor um come online and feel activated and yeah. sensational without yeah. feeling tense and numb and like, you know, on guard, you know, tight. So yeah. there's like a, there's a physical component, there's an emotional component, energetic yeah. component, educational component. Yeah. Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs. Yep, you heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte, because I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. (laughs) You can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned, And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. Um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to touch on that physical component that you ended up with the pelvic floor coming online without feeling tight. This is something that was huge for me because as a yoga teacher, I'm big into the embodiment and guiding through people meditations like a body scan. But what I found amazing is, you know, you could say to me before this yoni mapping session or the average person, okay, become really aware of the skin on the palm of your left hand. Can you feel the temperature of your palm? Can you feel the air brushing against your palm? And people can generally, you know, if they think about it, feel their palm. But how often do you think that you can say to someone, okay, become aware of the sensation inside of your yoni? How does it feel? Most people are like, what do you mean? Like, I don't have a dildo in there. I don't have a penis in there. I don't have my finger in there. It feels like nothing, which is crazy because it's part of your body. So 
it's crazy to me that there's this huge disconnect in this space compared to other parts of your body where you can't actually easily feel the sensation that's going on. And this was what I loved about our session is that afterwards I was like, holy shit, it's like a, I sounded like one of those like airy fairy spirit people. There's like a universe <laughs> unfolding inside of my body and it's like expansive and it's, but, but really it was just like all of this space that you don't really take the time to feel into. You can actually feel it. You can feel all the different bits. You can feel, I don't know. It, and I thought that that was really, really cool and really practical. And I kind of didn't really even know it was possible. So hell yeah, that was like one of the, one of the coolest bits. Um, and something else that I wanted to just talk about as well of something that I really got out of this was you have shared my abortion story before on your podcast as a, as a TMI. And I'll just talk a little bit about this because I think that, you know, not everyone's had like this sort of abortion before, but I think lots of people have I don't know, maybe memories of pain in their um, yoni or a little bit of fear. So maybe people might be able to relate to that. Um, Mm -hmm. When I had the abortion, I took an abortion pill when I was eight weeks pregnant. And for about six weeks, I was just kind of like bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and nothing was kind of coming out. And it took one night me putting my finger into insert a menstrual cup and I felt something sticking out of my cervix. And I was terrified because I thought that I was having a uterine prolapse and I was absolutely terrified that my inner organs were going to like burst out. And um, the doctor that I saw the following day was very unhelpful because there was so much blood that they couldn't see what was going on. And I ended up basically squatting on the bathroom floor and realizing that the reason I'd been bleeding for six weeks is because this was like the pregnancy tissue that had just been stuck in my cervix. And I ended up pulling it out. And it was the weirdest experience. It was like empowering to, to do it myself and to trust my gut feeling regardless of what the doctor said. But it was also kind of a really raw, kind of scary experience. And after that happened, I felt like I was afraid of putting my finger in my vagina because I was worried that I don't know, like I would feel something that shouldn't be there or I was worried that it would hurt because I had had so much pain in that space. And I just am quite surprised by the fact that, you know, you said the internal stuff and obviously there's more around the internal stuff. There's like the talk therapy side of things, but the internal stuff is just like 30 minutes. And in that session, I feel like I was able to let go of lots of that fear and lots of that pain. And I think that that's quite amazing because, you know, especially because this is quite an alternative modality, it just kind of makes me sad that there are so many people who probably feel like that have had similar experiences. And I don't know, they they don't know that it's actually fixable, if that makes Mm. sense. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. There's not a lot of awareness around it at all. Um, yeah, I love that story. Thanks for sharing that. Cause, cause you, yeah, how are you feeling around your cervix and putting fingers inside and touching it now? Um, I actually feel great about it and a little bit of an extra TMI. My partner and I had sex this morning. <laughs> just advertising that, everyone. I have a great sex. <laughs> just joking. Um, and what I've really noticed is that deep stimulation that used to kind of freak me out. I'd go like, Ooh, Ooh, not too deep. Ooh, I don't want something bad to happen. I actually can kind of relax into it. And I really enjoy the, 
sensation of some of that deeper stimulation that before made me clench up. And I think that lots of people can relate to that, you know, when, when it just goes like, and you're just bracing a little, mm, and I just don't yeah. feel that bracing in my body with a partner and also with myself. Um, I have done some, some practice of just kind of feeling around in there and yeah, it's, it's going really well. I'm just so stoked about that. Amazing. I loved getting a voicey from you like a little bit after we'd had that session and you were like, I think I just had a cervical orgasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. It's I was just like, job done. <laughs> yeah. And I think on this note, I have one more question for you. What I'd love to ask you is what's your favorite part or your favorite parts about doing this work because I think that for people who are working doing what they love you can almost boil it down to like a moment or a couple little seconds that makes it all worthwhile and for me when I teach people I love when you see the look in someone's eye like they finally get it like you see the light bulb turn on and for me that makes it worthwhile so I wanted to hear from you what is it about this work like if you had to boil it down to like a couple things that like lights you up and makes you love this job? Oh, there's so much. Like how many people can say they do something that's so rewarding and is like changing people's lives for the better and getting to like work closely, like intimately with people and, uh, you know, them trusting me and feeling safe with me is such a beautiful feeling that I can provide that. But I think like something as you were talking about that look in you know people's eyes on the yoga mat made me think of um every pretty much every session I've ever done after we've spent that whole three hours together and you know we've finished the body work and um and they've they've sort of gotten dressed afterwards and and done a wee or whatever and then they've re-emerged back into the living area where I'm just waiting for them um so they've gotten dressed and they've come back out and they just look like so radiant and so like they're just glowing and and it's like the difference between them when they walked in and they're a bit nervous and their their body yeah. language is a bit like <clears throat> closed off and they look you know maybe a bit troubled and they're kind of sometimes in tears while we're doing the talk therapy because they're just like, holy fuck, like this is all just so hopeless and helpless and I don't know what to do and it's all a lot. And then they walk out and and it's like they reemerge and they're just like super, super radiant and, and glowing and they look at peace and they look really relaxed and they often will like be in tears again but for a completely different reason this time and they're just – like so grateful and so um, amazed and they feel so connected and it's so fucking cool. Like it's it's really like sometimes it brings me to tears because I'm just like, wow, like I can mm. see how powerful that was for you and how impactful that was. And it's just so special that I get to be holding space for that. Like they trust me and they feel safe enough to unfold or unravel or – you know, cry or scream or have like a just a big experience on the table um, 
or just a gentle, it doesn't even have to be a big catharsis. It can be a really gentle, beautiful experience. Like mm. it's always different, but they pretty much always come out with the same look on their face. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I love that. I love that. I love getting little emails or messages from people afterwards, like sharing their success stories as well. Like I had my first G-sport orgasm with myself after our session, doing what you told me, or like, you know, my, my sex with my partner just was completely transformed and, and, you know, I was able to speak up about this thing or I was able to implement that thing we spoke about and it's just completely changed the game and, you know, just hearing from people how it's impacted them and how they're having a whole lot of success with with the things that we worked on is like so fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. And you know what? I think I want to finish this episode by just saying like thanks for the work that you do that you put out into the world because I know it's must not be easy to just be like a one person powerhouse, just totally your own business. Um, but it's just so important. And it's, yeah, it's just so cool that you're doing what you're doing. Mm, thanks, babe. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thanks, Freya. Thanks for breaking that down for me, for everyone. <laughs> and as someone who has gone to see Freya as a client for the coaching sessions and the yoni mapping sessions and the online course, if you... <laughs> super fan. <laughs> yeah, super fan. If you are missing one or all of those things from your life, get your yoni over to Freya or get online to the online course or hit her up for some coaching sessions because seriously, I know what it's like to feel really overwhelmed by all of this stuff, especially as someone who feels pretty introspective and like I've done the work, but this is just a whole new can of worms that Freya is just adept at opening up and sorting through and helping you, <laughs> helping you do, deal with. So yeah. Oh, thanks babe. And thanks for, thanks for being the host, a, a guest star appearance. Um, and just letting me sit back and answer the questions. How fun. So, um, yeah, such a treat. So thank you. And you did a freaking amazing job. Oh my God. <laughs> Sounds like it's your podcast. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, all right. See you, everyone. And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyagraph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT, and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.